Hello. Especially in that era of Christian music, the 90s kind of spilled over into the 2000s. Gosh, the 90s so spilled over into today. That, it, it, it's funny because that song had kind of an Avalon Selah vibe. It, yeah. was, it was Point of Grace you know, right. from the Girls of Grace thing, but really has that. So we're just talking about the songs that we did on Sunday that uh, Go back I, and watch. That I balked about at first. Heidi sent that to me. I didn't know in, you in balked group, about it. That was news know. to me. Well, it was... I, it, I mean, I like the song. I, I balked about doing it in churches. I, you know, the way the way it's produced and the the early two thousands, I would say, slightly overproduced. You know, uh, vibe that goes on there. Listening to it on my phone is not the same as listening to it from speakers. And and I'm like, I just don't. I'm not feeling congregational with this. The lyrics are great as far as connecting to the text, but it just really didn't feel congregational to me. I get that. And so Heidi was a little irritated with me. And I, I said, what? I said, Shelly, you know, my sister's not really happy with my um, my opposition to this on Sunday because she's. Heidi usually will let it go. She sent me a couple of messages saying, I really she think you're wrong. For it. I really think this is the well, song. And, uh, I really think so, you're wrong. So. I'm going to start doing that when you don't go with my song. Right. So I'm going to be like, I really think you're wrong. Hey, man, if you feel strongly enough to, to fight for it, then I'm I, willing I, to listen. I, I rarely so, do feel like fighting for my... And, uh, <laughs> well, and there haven't been very many situations where you've presented... A song that you wrote that we. I'm not we, talking about my did, songs. But, I'm talking about like other people's songs. Uh, <clears throat> anyhow, you can see my confusion because you actually you know, Sorry, write my songs, bad. and Heidi often does not. Although she does write songs, they end up on her outgoing voice memo. But I digress. The I didn't know that Heidi sent me some stuff. <laughs> the, uh, the just the whole vibe of the song when we did it, and you take it off of that radio production, right. it. It worked. I thought it felt really good. And it was fun. And as Shelly said, it was, I mean, this was a song for the Girls of Grace Conference. So it was intended to be, not that conference music is the same as church music, but it was intended to be congregational in that sense. Worked well. Uh, Not, it's not like it's a lot of words or, you know, expansive content that requires deep thought, but it's deep concepts. Just like we're talking about in this passage today in, in Ephesians 3, just the idea. Um, of grasping how vast the love of Christ is, how vast God is, and and not just that he has vastness in his characteristics, or 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 that there are, that part of who God is is that God is is vast and infinite, but God just is. Right. He he is immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And he certainly can do immeasurably more. And in fact, it seemed like it was a good way to title the sermon. I mentioned that to you earlier in the week when we were talking about you know imagery and stuff. Right. And I'm like, I think I just have to go with this because... Ren Collective how, did the work for How do I not? Right. You know? And then, yeah, then throwing in that Ren Collective song, which I wrestled with at first because... It we does, wrestled with practicing it. it. It really was not... I mean... The message of the song is that God, you are immeasurably right. more, which is not what the verse is saying. The verse right. is saying God is is able to do, do right. all that is required to accomplish what He's talking about here in building His but people. But in order to do that, it's because He is and more. <laughs> right. and, and yeah, that's right. Because Paul's kind of overwhelmed right. here in, in looking at it. He's overwhelmed uh, in as you look at at the um, just the idea of the love of Christ. 
It's like uh, y- y- y'all are saints, right? right. You're, you're, you are the church. You're in Christ. And I just spent two chapters talking about what it means that you are in Christ. But I don't know if you get it. Mm. Uh, and I want to pray that God is going to just fill you with his spirit in a way that empowers you by God's power in you to be able to grasp this, to be able to, to get some glimpse, some Isaiah 6 kind of picture of just how vast how infinite, how immeasurable God's love for you is in Christ. And then, also, I'm going to pray that God is going to empower you, strengthen you in your inner being so that Christ can dwell in your hearts. You're in Christ by God's sovereign choice. And and right out of the gate, he's jumping into, praise God, he has chosen us, he has adopted us, he has predestined us. And, and so we spent a lot of extra time in that, in that first uh, chapter, really the first half of the first chapter of Ephesians, because, you know, as soon as you throw in predestination, then, of right. course, people get kind of wigged out. So we got to sit there and talk to about it. I haven't said wigged out in many years, so, you know, kind of. This is a 90s podcast. I'd be ill. And, um, so That's rad. As we're kind of um, going back into that idea that God did this, God placed you in Christ, and then he switches. There's this. Right. It's the only place, uh, at least that I can think of right now. Maybe I'll go back to my notes and, and be wrong. But uh, as far as I can think of right now, it's the only place where he says Christ in you in in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. The rest, is, you know, he he talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory in, in Colossians, and he, so he uses it elsewhere. But here he's talking about Christ dwelling in your hearts, and there's a different connotation. The first is really referring to the. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the first idea of us in Christ is our justification, mm-hmm. and now talking about Christ dwelling in our hearts is really our sanctification of, of living in a trusting obedience. But it would probably make more sense if I just read the text. Why not? You know, so let's let's do that. Especially I'm sitting it's over a nice here, passage, uh, so. mouth breathing because I've got a cold, so I apologize. And I'm doing it because I'm a mouth breather. So <laughs> I'm a knuckle dragging, mouth breathing nerve you know. herder. Uh, let's see. So um, in in Ephesians three, we're looking at the last half of the chapter, uh, verses fourteen to twenty-one. So it's really more than than half, but you know, um, or less than half. It's a little portion here. Uh, in these seven verses, it, he shifts the dynamic. So in the in in the first couple, there's there's propositional truth that he's putting forth. But now in chapter 3, he's describing for the church his, his prayer for them in light of everything that he said about being in Christ, being built together into as individual stones, being built into one temple for the living God. And because of all of that, after you know interrupting his his own thought, which I can identify with, and then uh, you know, talking about his ministry and what that meant. Now in chapter 3, verse 14, he comes back to what he said in 3.1, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, uh, or uh, your NIV 84 text note says, or whom, from whom all fatherhood uh, derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches a phrase that he's used elsewhere. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, 
may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So you can hear... That's pretty intense stuff. Yeah, you can hear the, just the tone. Right. You know, if, if Paul were reading this aloud to you or, or, or you're having a conversation instead of flowing from his pen, you can sense the passion mm -hmm. that he's got here. And and he does this in a number of places. You see it in, in uh, Romans 11. In fact, uh, you know, when you look at Romans 11, I, I find it to be intriguing because he's been talking, he lays out the human condition in the book of Romans, starting with, with you know, the state of the world in chapter 1, and that you know, we all, uh, apart from Christ, stand condemned. And he kind of develops this in through chapter 3, and then points out that Christ is the sacrifice of atonement. And so uh, in, the, in the gift of life that we have in Christ, uh, this has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. Uh, it looks at Abraham in chapter 4 and, and the idea that, that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so he comes back to what he said in chapter 1, that the righteous will live by faith, which is going straight back to the book of Habakkuk. So as, as he does this, then he kind of describes in 5 and 6 what this means. Well, you know, what is this, what's the impact of this in 5? And and why that impact in 5 and 6. So as he looks at the idea that Christ gave himself up for us while we were yet sinners in Romans 5, 8, he, he goes on in chapter 6 to talk about our death through Adam and our life through Christ and, and continues that into the freedom that we have from the law in the same way that a woman uh, who's husband has died or, or the person who has died is not bound by their marriage bonds. And then he does a kind of a strange thing in, in the second half of chapter 7 of the book of Romans. seems like we're going far away from, from Ephesians, but eventually we'll come back here. And in the, the, the latter part of the book of Romans, he talks about the fact that I'm, you know, I'm writing all this stuff. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm doing this. And I don't have this down. I'm still struggling with sin. I, I know my position in Christ. I understand how this works. I've just explained it all to you. And I, I don't understand why I keep doing things I don't want to do and not doing what I know I should. I wrote a song about that. There you go. Uh, recently. Mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> I read this passage recently. <laughs> and, you know, he's kind of like overwhelmed by that. But he then, just like David does in so many of his psalms where he's overwhelmed with feeling distant from God, comes back to the fact that God, it, it's him. Mm -hmm. He's faithful. I'm not faithful. I keep wandering. But he never leaves me. And so at the end, he says, who's, who's going to rescue me from the body of this death? Uh, this is, it's with me. It isn't me. It doesn't define me. But I don't want to live like this. And he concludes, praise be to God. He gives us this. This is this this rescue, this salvation. He gives us in Christ, and goes into what you know, as John Piper and others would argue, is the 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 linchpin of all the scriptures in in Romans eight. 
Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he unpacks that in 8. And then you look at 9 and, and 10 and 11, and folks usually like to stop at 8, especially those who perhaps are of a, a remonstrant uh, persuasion. They don't like this idea of God being sovereign. We like God as long as we're still in control. Right. We like to talk about God being in control as long as I have my part in it. Uh, if this is a synergistic thing, it's it's God plus my right. my stuff. That's great. But a monergistic <laughs> partners. Right. Yeah. That's that's really you know, and we can deny it, but that's really where, <laughs> what our heart be is saying. A silent partner. <laughs> You're kind of really hitting on the human heart here, aren't you? Um, I know from experience. And, and, and so there's a line in a, in a Rich Mullins song. Uh, I thought uh, you were talking about Sean Mullins. I'm like, that's different. Different. I don't know if you remember the song, Hold Me, Jesus. And there's a line in there that always resonates with me. That He says, I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than take what you give that I need. I'm like, this is... This is where we are. And so anyway, in, in, in 9 and 10 and 11, he's talking about God's plan for the Jews and that God's, God hasn't stopped. He hasn't, he hasn't abandoned his promises, but it's God's sovereignty. It, God is in control, and, and he deals with sovereign election very much like he does uh, in Ephesians 1. And then in 11, he's talking about uh, how... God's going to keep all of his promises to Israel. And, and we as Gentiles are, are branches grafted into the, to the tree, into this, uh, this olive tree of Israel. And as he's going through all of this stuff, and, and, and anybody who's read the book of Acts or, or followed along with us, or even reading Ephesians, you see Paul is, is I don't want to say um, putting down Israel. He's Jewish himself. Uh, and, and certainly not that, but but promoting the fact that Israel does. You get all the advantages by have growing up basically like growing up in the church today. You know, right. you you've been taught. You've you've got the the law and the prophets. You, think you have should the be promises. done a certain way, right? right? And so God has has brought you in. But in Romans, he's kind of humbling the Gentiles. In Ephesians, he's kind of lifting up the Gentiles to to address those specific situations. But he's saying, listen. Do you get this? Do you, do you understand what's happening? God is keeping all of his promises. God doesn't change. And he's let you be a part of it. And so the point that I was making is that he gets caught up at the end of uh, chapter 11 in Romans. After all of that stuff, he gets caught up and then uh, includes this doxology, which may be citing a, 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 a uh, doxology that was prevalent in the church at the time, or it may be uh, different views on it. It may be something that, that he's writing originally here. In any case, the Holy Spirit in, in, inspired him to include it. And his heart goes from uh, verse 32, for God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And then he just kind of explodes with this praise of God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. How unsearchable. That, that's this whole picture here. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. And then he goes into Isaiah. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So you've got, you know, he's quoting Old Testament. He's uh, this, this may be, you know, compiled 
uh, as as a church thing or something that he's compiling here. But but in any case, he quotes Isaiah and he quotes Job in in recognizing that God is bigger than you ever thought he was. And you have nothing to offer. What are you bringing to the table that, that you're going to instruct God? You're going to say, you know, God, I think you really missed it on this. You know, Lord, I know that you're in control and you're omnipotent and, and omniscient and, and you're wise and you're holy and you're loving, but I think you really messed up on this COVID thing. You really blew it. You know, Lord, you know, this election, whatever election it might be, you God, you put the wrong person in power here, or or we're doing things in spite of God. And it's too bad that God's so impotent that he can't do anything about these things. Right. We, we've moved him from omnipotent to impotent, from all-powerful to powerless. Uh, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. So when we get to Ephesians 3, what Paul wants us to see here, or more specifically, what he wants us to do, the 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 transformational intent, what he's wanting to see the Ephesian church do is to get God, to understand in a way that it is so overwhelming that it just flows out of you so that there's no logical way that I can live my life other than, as he says uh, shortly after that, uh, that piece that I just read from Romans 11, as he says, Romans 12, 1, in light of God's mercy, in view of all of this, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everything you do, how could you possibly not live for him if you get it? So if you don't live for him, you don't get it, which is why you cannot separate our justification from our sanctification. You cannot separate God's grace from holy living. If we have received his grace, if we understand this, then holy living becomes the passion of our hearts. Now, we're going to stumble. We're not going to get it right. Paul, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, says that even of himself. But my goodness gracious, it, it, the, the overwhelming, overflowing love that he has for the Lord here is when, when we... This is a controversial song by Corey Asbury, or Cody Asbury. I can't remember. Oh, reckless. Corey, I think. Uh who apparently is from Kalamazoo. I didn't know. Um, they do crazy things. Crazy stuff in Kalamazoo. Uh, that, you know, people get crazy about the lyric, reckless love, talking about the love of God. But really what we're seeing here is a picture of us, when we get it, our love for him becomes reckless. In other words, and, and I don't mean in any way to, to say that God is thoughtless or careless in that sense of reckless, but in that hang the cost that kind of a recklessness. Yeah, this is going to cost me. Like, I'm going to send going my son to the in, cross. Right. I'm all in. And, and for us, when we realize that God has been that all in, if God's love for us expressed in Christ is that deep and, and wide, if it's that huge, that unthinkable, my goodness, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's what he wants from us is for us to, to not just, okay, you've got the doctrinal right. stuff. And, and Ephesians is great in that it's divided, you know, just almost exactly in half between the positional stuff in, in the first. This is our position in Christ. And the practical stuff, this is our practice because of our position in Christ. And we'll be looking going forward here at the latter three chapters, which are talking about how to live in light of who you are. But 
before he even gets to the instructions, he, he kind of bridges this together because that, that is kind of the pendulum swing that we have. And, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of folks in neo-reformed circles who get really proud of the fact that they have good doctrine. They're proud of their humility and, and, and so on. And, and I'm not including everybody, and uh, these are you know, circles that I might run in on occasion. And, and so as I'm dealing with some of these things, we're so proud of our good doctrine. We're so proud that we're not like those other people. We're not like, you know, I think of the Pharisee and the tax collector and, you know, and the Pharisee's looking down on, Lord, thank you that I'm not like these other people and certainly not like him. And we kind of get like that. Lord, thank you that I'm not like the world. and Certainly not like those prosperity teachers or those liberals or, you know, the, you know, oh, you know. But then there's the other end of it where we get so focused on behavior and social justice and and the social gospel that if we really want to represent christ if we really if we really want to know god that we just have to do the things we have to do all the things things. and if we don't do all the things well then you know and if you do all the things then it really doesn't matter if you're in christ Uh, actually we had a local pastor here a number of years ago who actually said that to a, a new couple and uh it's kind of mind-blowing that you could have a pastor of a church saying it really doesn't matter where you are with Jesus. You don't have to believe that he's the only way. As long as you're living a good, moral, godly life. And I'm like, uh, fire, fire and brimstone coming down out of heaven in this moment. Uh, is the ground going to open and <laughs> swallow you up? But this bridge here, which almost, in a sense, if you are a, a big doctrinal person or if you're a big behavioral person, you could almost see these seven verses as kind of a throwaway. We read them, and it sounds good, and it, it, you know, that's awesome. It's celebratory. But this is really the hinge. This is the, the linchpin that holds it together, that if, if we don't get it to a point where, where this is the celebration of our heart. You mentioned Ren Collective earlier because we did their song on Sunday. They have a song called The Art of Celebration. They have an album called that, too, uh, that, that talks about this art of celebration it's more than music it's more than than saying the right words or having the right ceremonies this is about my heart being so full of awe for god so full of the love of jesus that i can't keep it in it just overflows and so that's where paul is man it's for this reason because of all this incredible stuff that god has done that i kneel before the father and and when we talk about kneeling in prayer, there's a humility goes along with it, but there's sort of a desperation. We don't generally kneel in prayer for no reason. Right. You know, when we're walking down the road praying, right. you know, this is coming before the altar. Right. You know, and and as he's praying, I I kneel before the Father, the Father from whom everybody derives everything. You exist because of Him. All people on earth with all families derive their name he's not just talking about the church here but i think we're all bearing the image of god i think that's the the best interpretation of this passage looking at a few different translations that that may differ in how to how to read that a few different commentaries that differ in, in how to interpret that i think the best picture is that when he's talking about all families in heaven on earth the whole family all fatherhood all of this he's talking about humans bearing the image of god Everything in heaven and earth derives itself from God. He says, I'm praying on my knees before this God of all things, 
that out of his glorious riches, which you'll remember you know, earlier in the book, he's talking about the, the God's incomparable riches of his grace, of, to the praise of his glorious grace. We see this combination of, of glory and riches together in, in him. and From or out of or according to his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, his power, obviously, through his spirit. That's where we're getting his power. And he's going to strengthen us because apparently it takes strength for us to do this in our inner selves, not not you know physical strength or, or, or any of that, but in who you are, in the depth of yourself, so that, in other words, without this power from God, this can't happen, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That connection, that trusting obedience of Christ dwelling in us. We are in Christ by God's choice. Now we are surrendered to Christ. Kind of the difference between having uh, being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy right. Spirit. So uh, we have in Christ all of the Holy Spirit. The question is, in our obedience, does the Holy Spirit have all of us? Mm. So we see that here, that, that God, through his power at work in you, through his Spirit, in your inner being, will give you strength so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that now being rooted and established in love, this is who you are, you've, you've got this. Now, I pray that you get it, mm-hmm. that you grasp how, how wide and long and high and deep is this love. And I think, you know, we were talking about earlier, a byproduct of that or a result of that, I think very much so, is wanting to know more and for, from, you know, today's perspective wanting to get into the word more and yeah. wanting to and wanting to do go out and do good works yeah. and do things for people so i think that's a that's definitely something that's i don't want to say a, a side effect but it's a byproduct of having right. that within you it's not the main thing it's not the thing that makes it happen yeah. but i think when you do have christ within you that comes out naturally yeah. um it's not that coming in it's that coming out yeah it, it it's because he's already in. Right. You know, once he's come in, right. in this, because this, this so, dwelling right. in you is, it's not, he's not referring to the Holy Spirit presence in you that he mentioned in chapter one. Right. He's talking about that, you know, like you said, him, him coming out of you, right. Christ dwelling in you so that Christ can live this right. life through you. Because I can't live this life. I can't right. live the Christian life myself. But him in me, Christ living in me, this is our hope of glory, as you say in Colossians. Because you can't just sit there, with, you know, and say, "Oh yeah, I have Christ in me," and just yeah, <laughs> that's not good for an audio podcast. Just to you know, sit there and you like know, a lump on right, you know, a lump on a lump, a lump <laughs> like on a, a log, like a grumpy drummer, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, the the picture that we get here, and this is why I went back to Isaiah six on Sunday to look at this. I just don't know of a clearer picture of what Paul's looking for. Right. He wants us to get it. He always wants us to get it. Paul's a, he's a thinker, Thanks, but he's Paul. not just a thinker. He's not just an intellectual. He's an intellectual who, who realized when I get it, it overwhelms me. It well, changes me. Right. You can me. feel that in his, in his writing yeah. here. The, well, and, and you know, even as, as we were talking just now, and I could see, because I kept rambling because I do that, and I could see in your eyes you wanted to, to jump in and say this no, because it has to come out of us, Right. right? Because that's the point, it, you know that, and that's what he wants. This transforming, there's an affection of that we have to have, of setting our affection on on Christ. And there are times when we have to choose to set our affection, just like I do with my wife. I I am crazy in love with my wife, but 
I can't rely on feelings to be enough to carry it. It's like on When Calls those. the Heart, when, <laughs> when Lee talked to Jesse, there is love never is a, a choice. That, yeah, that, there's never a time that you can mention Lee from One Calls the Heart that I'm not going to be happy. Well, it's, do you agree with what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I jumped up. I was actually on the couch and I jumped up. That's exactly right. This He's talking about the Bible here. Uh, because there was it was so clear that you're not right. talking about being in love and having the feelings. And it's right. the same thing. We we very often will get caught up in this experiential idea of our faith that we, mm. you know, uh, uh, and people from particular backgrounds have particular tendencies. And, and, and for a lot of times, especially now, I think, uh, not not only now, we've seen this throughout church history, but I think right now it's very prevalent that we want the experience mm. of feeling feelings, right? We've got to get all the feels when we go to church. And I'll have folks that will say to me at times that you know a particular sermon was connected with them because it you know it made me feel this. Well, I don't want you to feel something because I'm whipping you into a frenzy with some uh, you know uh, homiletical skill, but I want you to see what Paul is getting us to see here. If God's word connects with your heart, feelings come. You know you don't you don't have to muster up some kind of feelings you, you, you get it but feelings come and go right that's the thing so i so i have to have the doctrine as a foundation right. that draws me back to that in, in my marriage i have to have that commitment that draws me back to the intimacy mm-hmm. and when i have that commitment that intimacy then the passion will flow from that that's that's a natural part of it if i'm chasing the passion i'm going to sacrifice the intimacy and eventually even the commitment we right. see it all the time same thing in our faith if i'm if i'm chasing after the passionate you know effective affective relationship w- uh, the experience of the feelings of this, well, then if the band doesn't do a great job on a particular song, or the preacher doesn't, you know, hit his illustrations just right at just the right time, and he's not going to take the, you out of it. We don't have the emotive connection there. Now, I've lost that 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 power because it's become you about you the the right place. because that's about you it's exactly right yeah and so what and, and you'll notice in what paul's saying here in ephesians 3 all the focus this isn't on you <laughs> i'm praying that god is going to put this in you because if god puts this in you when god fills you with the love and the presence of christ his glory overflows from you it's going to pour out of you and you can't really help that when you comprehend it with your mind and you 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 get it and then you grab it you apprehend it with your heart and it becomes yours now uh you see that i can't know god apart from god revealing himself to me and giving me the capacity to be able to grasp this and because i grasp this because he's regenerated me and taken away the hardness of my heart Going back to chapter one, he's chosen me. He's he's set himself upon me this way. Now, I I can choose him, mm-hmm. which I couldn't do before. And now I'm I'm overwhelmed by him. And the the natural thing that happens when we grasp the wonder of God's power and His grace to us in Christ is that we rejoice in glorifying Him. It's not a chore to go to church. It's not a chore to sing songs. I'm not worried about what the guy next to me thinks about my singing voice. Who cares? I'm singing to an audience of one, and we're doing this together, but we're all on our knees before Christ and overwhelmed by this. So what happens right after this? He gets done with verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us, in that plural, again, in the, in, in the church, 
his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes into the therefore. As a prisoner of the Lord, therefore, uh, as a prisoner of the Lord then in the NIV, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you get it, if the glory of God is overflowing from you because he's filled you with the love and presence that he gives us in Christ, then it only makes sense that your walk is going to follow that. Mm. If you know him, then live like it. Right. Live a life worthy. And so then the rest of the book of Ephesians is about how do we do that? If Christ has done all this for me, what? then how do I get myself in alignment with that? In, in my daily living. And it sort of connects, if you will, the reality of God to the realities of everyday life. Somebody should make a podcast about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll stop. We might do that sometime. We'll stop there for today, and maybe we'll make a podcast about that in the future. Wow, we're actually like not super late today. Um, Only moderate. So hope you enjoyed this shorty. Because we didn't <laughs> talk about what it is to be a digital nomad. Would you like to know? No. That's, for, that's my other podcast called Something to Write About. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, as always, feel free to leave us a message on Facebook or a comment on YouTube or send us an email at somethingreal at realfonline.org or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. Well done. Especially leave comments if you see any 90s TV references like Blossom that you want to mention and talk about those things. Blossom there. had... To this day, one of the best theme songs. So And Joey Lawrence. <laughs> I loved that show. Not so. too young for Blossom. Um, <laughs> JD, if you're listening, that's you. <laughs> Not too young for Blossom. Sorry. I loved Blossom. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to start putting all of our... Uh, contact like i'm gonna start saying it really fast like they do at the end of medication commercials well you're getting really good at it so, at this point thank you guys so. for listening we'll catch you next time